welcome to BoobTube, the podcast where smart women talk about what they're watching and not watching. I'm Sarah Whitus. I'm Amanda Teuscher. And uh, we are convening again on a Sunday morning. <coughs> I apologize little... in advance. I keep coughing. It's it's so early. It's that early morning. Uh, yeah, I think it's too early for me and my body is rejecting morning. So we are recording at the crack of dawn, 10, 15 a.m. <laughs> uh, 10, 11 <laughs> yeah, not even I want those quite four 10, minutes. <laughs> yeah, not even quite. Um, so we've we, we were on a little bit of a hiatus amongst various life events over the last couple of weeks, but I feel like we got some good we got some good content ready for you today. So um, so much good content. I yeah. feel like you know we us should just the content. Hop that? in. Yeah, I said you I know think... us with the content, what we're known for. Oh yeah. yeah should we Hashtag just get into content? It? Yeah, let's just Let's just yeah. dive right in to um, who needs banter. It's Ted too early Bundy. for banter. Yeah, <laughs> it's too early for banter. Going right to serial, but killers. not yeah, but not too early <laughs> for uh, handsome psychopaths. Yeah, I mean, so what I watched over the last couple of weeks, we can uh, we'll, we're gonna have one main beefy topic, but just to to skim the surface of our television habits. Um, I watched a couple of things. One was the Ted Bundy tapes. I can't no, believe I, you watched I that. Know. I don't know. I don't know why. And you, wa- you watched the whole thing. <laughs> I watched the whole thing. Well, it's only four episodes. So it's like, you, you know, still it's like watch four. The whole thing. And each one is like 60 to 70 minutes. So it was not, that was actually no like minor undertaking. That's the um, heavy lift. It was. I mean, you know, we both, we, we both watched Mind Hunter last year, like, you know, kind of, uh, you know, I totally forgot our, about that. Yeah, I mean, it was, we kind of arrived at the conclusion that it was sort of forgettable. Um, it was pretty forgettable, because it was yeah. so doodly. Yeah, it was so just like a bunch of white dudes walking around, they all kind of looked the same, all just like, I'm a genius at analyzing, you know, serial killers. And so that was kind of the the uh, premise of, of the Ted Bundy tapes on Netflix, um, was that there's like a reporter who uh, in 1980 when... <coughs> Ted Bundy was on te- uh, death row. Um, he... Were you about to say Ted Bundy was on Ted Bundy? <laughs> Ted Bundy was on Ted Row. Yeah, <laughs> they did rename <laughs> it after him after <laughs> after his time there. Um, he we have this like reporter named Stephen Michaud. He he did all of these interviews uh, with Bundy on death row, and he like was like, "I'm gonna get inside the mind of the killer," you know, like which honestly, I think there's a scene in the show where he's basically like. This will be. I'll, I'll be able to sell this, <laughs> you know. Like in twenty years, I, that's, I will that's be able to sell this to like, Netflix. This just seems kind of. Gross. I was like, you know what? I mean, sure, I respect it. If you're like, look, I can get some book deals out of this shit. Like, sure, fine. Um, <laughs> oh so he was like, I'm gonna like get inside the mind of a killer, but then it doesn't really work. And it doesn't. Bendy, he like, doesn't get inside his mind, right? It's no, just, he like, doesn't. He's well, just first, letting him talk forever. Yeah, and first it doesn't work at all. Like, Bundy won't even refer to the... He's, like, asking, like, what did you do? Like, what happened with this, you know, this person? And, you know, and he's, like, really not giving anything up at all, apparently. And then so... um he Michaud, he, he switches tactics, and then he, like, goes kind of, uh, um, you know, Silence of the Lambs on it. Well, obviously well before actual science of the lambs was was even written but um he's like okay well you know ted bendy you be the analyst here like in this situation what do you think this killer would have done or whatever yeah so then bundy's such a fame you know fame hog you know he's a huge massive narcissist so he's like oh yeah well like i'm a genius so like i can get inside the mind of like this supposed killer. Oh, I would find killer. this so hard to watch. Like, listen, so, I so I the... love a good like Ted Bundy is hot joke as much as the next person. <laughs> and like when I saw the previews with it with um, our friend Tess, we were like laughingly like exchanging like messages about like how we were going to watch it or whatever. But I just the more I read about, it, I was just like that just sounds like deeply unpleasant. He murdered a lot of people. He murdered a lot of people. Um, a lot of women. A lot of women. I think, as far as we know only women um and so i mean here's the thing his there isn't even i don't know how much overall content he he got several hours i think out of i mean they spent 
several hours over the course of several days doing this. His narration, his the actual Bundy tapes provide like a kind of core of each episode, but it's not like the whole episode. There's a lot, you know, it's a okay. it's a basically standard true crime thing where then we bring in the reporters and the cops and everything, and they're really like filling out. So there's like several minutes of Bundy narration per episode, but like it's not actually the well, that's good, at least, I guess. Of it. Yeah, and I mean, I learned some things. I don't, you know, I'm not like a Bundy. I, I don't, I, I, God, uh, I hope that there isn't an actual, like, Bundy hit. I mean, there's like, you know, there's like um, you murderinos. You know there is, Sarah. Well, yes, and there's also, like, people who listen to, like, My Favorite Murder. Some of our friends are among these uh, groups, so I'm not going to go into that. But uh, people who are, like, very into, like, this kind of thing. Well, you saw them... that Netflix had to, like, send out that tweet reminding people that there are a lot of hot men in a lot of uh, Netflix TV shows. And that they yeah. shouldn't just be thinking so much about Ted Bundy, that he was really bad. What was the tweet here? You keep talking. I'm going to find this tweet. It was well, really they, funny. you know, like hot Bundy became like a thing because, I mean, like, yes, he was an attractive man. That was like part of, you know, it's actually like pretty disturbing because obviously him being just like a, a good looking white man is like basically a key part of what kept this dude from being caught from murdering, you know, dozens and dozens of women um and then also we now have the zach efron uh movie coming out where he's playing bundy so that's like i I don't get how these two things were timed if at all they were but it seems that they worked well for each other like drumming up some some press for for uh the zach efron movie that premiered at sundance and yeah i um, I wouldn't put anything past netflix yeah no 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 like yeah yeah, let's get this out like at this point i mean i learned some things i mean you know luckily while the crimes were absolutely horrific the show doesn't actually go into a lot of gory detail about them it's it's more just like an overall um you know, look at his his crimes, which I found to be... I mean, the thing that I found to be pretty interesting about it is mostly when, like, the cops and uh, detectives, et cetera, are talking about, like, what it was like to try and solve a crime like this before we really had an understanding of, like, what serial killers were at all. And, yeah. and also, like, basically solving crimes in the 1970s is, like, essentially the same thing as solving crimes in, like, the 1800s. <laughs> like, I mean, in terms of, like, advancements in, like, you know, crime-solving technology and stuff, like, not huge. I mean, obviously different, but not, like, you know, they're like, we didn't even have fax machines. Like, he, when he's arrested, he, you know, when he's arrested in, in Florida, which is after the second time that he escapes from prison, um, he is arrested on a traffic stop and they have him in custody for like a couple of days, I think, having absolutely no idea who he is. Um, just because he won't tell them their, his name. He just like won't tell them his name. And, and then uh, they just release him. Well, he's, like, literally on the FBI's, like, 10 most wanted list at this point. But it's just, like, no, they don't want, no, they don't release him. They wind up finding who, who, out who he is. But, like, none of these different, he committed crimes across, like, five different states. And, like, none of these police departments, like, talked to each other. There was no, I mean, they're, like, literally, like, writing up memos and, like, dropping them in the mail for, like, another police department. It's, like, you know, I mean, it was, that I, that part was, was pretty interesting to think about the practical implications of that and, like, how you know how many how many crimes were probably committed in those days that like just yeah. and, and and the number of people he was able to kill just because they couldn't catch him and he's just like a normal looking dude so i don't know this show like did not wind up even when they turn the table on him or whatever and get him talking about you know his in his like Hannibal Lecter style it doesn't really nothing is really like revealed I mean yes we're like drawn to the conclusion that he's a psychopath I think this show um is is well done and it's interesting if you for some reason feel the need to know more about Ted Bundy which I guess I did but like um it doesn't so I found the Netflix tweet oh yeah it's, I've seen a lot of talk about Ted Bundy's alleged hotness and would like to gently remind everyone that there are literally thousands, in all caps, of hot men on the service, almost all of whom are not convicted serial murders. And I also like, just like love that he said almost all. Almost. Or whoever this Netflix person is speaking as Netflix US. But yeah. Right. Like, and also I alleged mean... hotness. I'm kind of like, okay, well, like, that's... 
good to put there, but alleged is not a thing. That is not a word you need to put there. Like, people think he's <laughs> right. hot. He thinks he's hot. So, so we know that that's a fact. <laughs> like, it is a fact that people think he's hot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I didn't know about that tweet. Um, I like it, it. It is very weird. Like sexualizing him is weird. This is the the blowback that the second Efron movie has made as well. The show does not sexualize this dude. I want to make that pretty clear. Like the show. I mean, obviously, it's filled with a lot of B roll. No, he just does that him. all like, on his own. Wink yeah, wink. I mean, you know, he's a good looking dude. Again, they make a lot out of the fact that this is part of the reason that. People were like, he no, that guy's not a serial killer. Look at him. You know, like, I mean, yeah. he looks like a normal dude. Um, you know, so I wish this show, I mean, it feels like it's just very, like, on the surface. And, and we didn't really go into anything about his childhood, anything about really any detail that's about any of the That's because Netflix is often really, really freaking lazy. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you know, it's not as much on them as it is on the on the 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 uh, producer, the director who has done Netflix some other produced? true crime. It is Netflix produced. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, what yeah, I yeah. mean. They like they yeah. just they don't they're they they're lazy. I've like determined this. I watched both fire documentaries, and the Hulu one is very much better. So, oh, it's interesting. I thought the Netflix one was better. Oh, I liked yeah, the Netflix no. one more. But like, I I mean, especially because I just literally read Ted Bundy's Wikipedia entry after this and I found out some more interesting like just he he actually like there's a lot of uh thought that he actually had been murdering since he was a kid there's like you know a lot of stuff with his his childhood and they kind of present it as like well he was a normal dude and then he just killed a bunch of people I don't know you know so like I, I I don't know yeah I think that they maybe owed the story a little bit more than it got here but that I mean that being said you know it's I found it pretty fascinating. I just kind of oddly wish that I had come away with mm-hmm. more from it. It kind of made me the actually the definitive biography about him was written by a woman uh, who is mentioned throughout the series, and I kind of want to read her book now. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, well we, it brings me to that. We should move on from serial killers. Yeah. Um, the we've got a lot. So let's see. You you watch Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, basically the I think I'm opposite up end it. of the spectrum. I wouldn't. I really enjoyed the last season. Did you watch the first half of the last season when it came out last year? I, I think so. Yeah, I think so I they did. Re- they released, I think, six episodes last spring, I think. And then, and then the final six um, just came out the other week uh oh and and so they kind of did the fourth and final season in this kind of front half back half i will say so I, I think that it benefits i didn't watch the first half when it came out last year i think i had been a little eh on the the season previous the third season yeah. um and i just wasn't it like wasn't a priority to watch it last year and then the the last few episodes came out and you know, I really do have a soft spot for this show, so I was like, I'm I'm gonna watch the end of Kimmy Schmidt. So so I I watched all of them together, and I think that the show the season probably benefits from that rather than watching them have if you if you watch the first several last year, like maybe rewatching them and kind of doing uh-huh. it with dispatch. But I thought it was I thought it was great. I mean, I think that if you are a Kimmy Schmidt fan, which I am, um, this last season doesn't disappoint. I mean. I we've talked before about the problematic elements I think that Kimmy Schmidt has had throughout mostly mm-hmm. with regards to race any plot line involving Jacqueline's native heritage um which Ugh. yeah just like it makes cringing. me cringe I know even just like thinking about it is like eh. but you know I mean the Tina Fey Robert Carlock weird humor is in you know it's just full display there's some really great plot lines i think there's some misses as well there's like a plot line about like kimmy being like a sexual harasser in like a me too plot line which doesn't oh like "Mm." that she's the harasser yeah and it's like this is missing yeah it was like this is missing the but you know like the show sometimes goes for these kinds of like topical jokes and like sometimes it gets them and sometimes it doesn't the Me Too plotline on the show, I mean, of course, there has to be a Me Too plotline apparently now in basically every television show. But, um, you know, it's no like BoJack Horseman 
from the previous season, but they do land Ronan Farrow for a really good couple of um, guest spots. And then they actually do a really affecting Titus um, portion of this of this Me Too hmm. plot line. And, and I liked it. There's a very good sliding doors parody uh, where we see what would have happened if Kimmy had never gone with Reverend Richard Wayne, Gary Wayne. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Which also I'm sad that we didn't have any Richard Wayne, Gary Wayne cameos in this last season. Uh, because Aww. I do really feel like John Hamm has nailed that throughout. He's so funny. <laughs> the series. Um, you know, I think that I was thinking about how Kimmy Schmidt premiered only in 2015, which in Netflix years seems like... 75 years ago like the dawn of film or so, you know like I know it's so crazy well it was right? a very different like, time it was a very different time and there's only a couple of shows on Netflix at the time Kimmy Schmidt was originally developed for NBC and was going to be this much more um you know I think like network safe kind of show and I you know I think it I'm glad it found a home at Netflix where I think it could probably lean into the weirdness a lot more than it would have been able to on NBC. But I also think it sounds like Netflix kind of moved on. It was sort of willing to just like let it wither and die over the last couple of years. Um, And I think, I think that the plan on the creator side had not really been to end it after the fourth season, but um, you know, Kimmy in her own way does save the world by the end of the show. And it's, um, her kind of in this plot line that, that involves her kind of writing a children's book about battling toxic masculinity, which I really liked. That's cool. Um, and I just think, you know, I think it's a fitting end of Kimmy. I think if you're a fan of Kimmy, I would watch it. I, you know, just Ellie Kemper, I hope has many more wonderful things coming her way in her career. She was she's so, so likable. She's so good on this show. <laughs> she's so good. The show introduced us to Titus Burgess. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, and and uh, the girl who played um, Xanthopy, Lannister Voorhees, um, also comes back this season, who I've always loved. Um, so I don't know. I really love this show. And, and I think it has a really wonderful, especially the finale, a really wonderful conclusion. And like I think if... Kimmy Schmidt has meant anything to you over the last couple of years, I would definitely uh, make time to, to watch this last batch of episodes. Okay, come on. Can we just kind of keep this between us, right? Please? Oh, so I don't ruin your fun? No way, Chester. Cheater! I may not be able to do anything about those documentary jerks. What is this documentary? Don't worry about it. But I can do something about you. I'm going to tell everyone here that you're a dog. No, dogs are the best. They're loyal and soft. I'm going to tell everyone you're a rat. Nope. That's unfair to the rats of Nim and Master Splinter. You're a snake. But what about those snakes that dance out of a basket? They just want to bust the paradigm. I'm going to tell everyone that you're a bad man. What have you been watching? Um, so I watched it the beginning of January, so it was a while ago. But yeah. I do want to do a little plug for Dairy Girls, which is this Netflix show. Uh, well, I don't know if it was originally Netflix, but it, it's on Netflix. It's from Northern Ireland. And it takes place in Derry, Northern Ireland, in the early 90s. So It has like, been during... popping up on my, my Netflix homepage. Yeah. Like, it's, like, trying to, get, trying to get it at me. So I'm curious about it. So, like, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty funny. It's not, like, rip-roaringly funny and, like, or, like, that original in its mm-hmm. humor. Um, a lot of the jokes are kind of expected. Um, but the most interesting thing about it is for sure the 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 placement in time and space mm-hmm. so like you know early 90s during the troubles and like you know centered in dairy and it's just um or the show centered in dairy it's it's so it's really interesting to me i ended up actually having wikipedia open a lot while i was watching it to like hmm. you know hear about like things that they were referencing um like the very last episode there's a um oh this uh, massacre happens and they that's on the news and they're alluding to it and it's clear that like if you were an Irish person watching this you would know exactly what they're referring to when they're looking at the news but I didn't I had to look it up mm-hmm. and so that's kind of interesting and just basically watching what it's to so these it's these four girls um well and one of their cousins and they uh are going to a Catholic girls school in Derry and they um 
it's just like normal teenage stuff. But in the background, there's this super like traumatic uh, thing happening in their world. You know, there's sold there's British soldiers everywhere. You you there's checkpoints. There's um, one day there's like a parade where the the I don't know like the William of Orange men the Ulster Union I don't know who they are but they like are having a parade and everyone knows that there's going to be riots later so everyone's desperately trying to leave the town but they're doing it in a funny way hmm. and it's sort of this insight into this you know world that you know you've heard about but like it wasn't that long ago and um is super interesting and but I always love like good Catholic humor and there is a really funny episode where they're trying they're chasing a dog into a church and the dog pees on the second floor and it leaks through the floorboards and drips onto um, a statue of the Virgin Mary and the other <laughs> girls are downstairs looking at the statue and they think that the the Virgin Mary is weeping and so they're like they, they, they're like this is why we were late they go to Sister Michael who's like a total bitch and they're like we're late because like we saw the statue weeping and it's just the whole funniest thing and she, the one girl doesn't want to admit to anyone that it's her dog peeing on the <laughs> statue because that's like super bad anyway there's some really good moments um, and the girls that they have play the the main characters are all really funny like really funny teenage actresses so it's just it's a light you know similar to Kimmy Schmidt like if you have some time and just want something like nice to watch I recommend Dairy Girls and it also like I don't know if you give if you give a shit at all about the world and history it might be interesting Mm -hmm. to you too no I don't care about the world or history so I'm actually glad that we landed on that note I prefer to pretend that history doesn't exist and uh yeah in the moment. well yeah. this it's might my... be okay history to pretend doesn't exist i don't know <laughs> who knows but but yeah it's really funny oh and one of the um so there, there's a the cousin of one of the girls michelle's cousin he's he's a he's a boy and he he's english he comes from england and like no one they're like gonna put him in the the male catholic school and they're like but we decided that wasn't a good idea for his safety because like an english kid at the school full of like catholic irish boys so they make him go to the girls school (laughs) and it's like this poor kid like (laughs) everyone anyway and he's english too so that's a whole thing that's a whole burden he has to bear so anyway dairy girls netflix i think they're gonna make a season two yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. It sounds cute. Um, yeah. But we okay. should, um, let's just dive into our main uh, course today. Okay. Um, you can tell I haven't had breakfast. <laughs> Both the breakfast references and our desire to uh, record this podcast and then go eat breakfast. Two things. Yeah. Um, I have no food in the house. What would I eat? For? I've had coffee and that's it. The same problem right now. Grocery <sighs> shopping. Anyway, um, Russian Doll. Russian the Doll is show, so good. Yeah, the show that everyone is kind of talking about. Everyone's talking about it. We're going to get right in there on this zeitgeist. So, um, like, pa- if you haven't watched it, our advice is just pause this podcast, go watch the whole thing. You'll want to. And yeah, then come just... back and listen because we're not going to, we're going to talk about things. Yeah, a quick four hours um, and then you'll be back. But yeah, we're probably going to get kind of spoilery here. So definitely um, don't. And this is not a show that you want to be ruined for, I think. No. Um, for, for sure. Um, although it is not a spoiler to say that Russian Doll... Uh, kind of begins and and uh, rotates around begins with and rotates around the idea that Natasha Leon uh, is dying over and over and over again on the night of her thirty sixth birthday party. Um, every time she's brought back to the exact same point, um, after she dies and she's brought back to the same point again she kind of wakes up and she's standing in front of a mirror at her own birthday party kind of trying to psych herself up (laughs) to go back outside and kind of deal with all of the you know social again yeah yeah and well the you know at first kind of like it's a little bit like what's going on um so yeah i mean there's a lot of trying to figure out in the first episode exactly why she keeps dying a lot of theories. Um, we joints laced with uh, cocaine the way the Israelis do it. <laughs> so the funny thing I noticed with the 
this show is that there are so many details and it makes you watch so intently. And even when these things are repeating, you know, so she comes out of this bathroom at her friend Maxine's apartment, this amazing apartment in the East Village, and she um, comes out every time to the same party and she goes into the kitchen and Maxine says the same thing to her. Happy birthday, baby! It's laced with cocaine like the Israelis do it. And then the same Harry Nelson song is playing. Gotta get home before the morning comes. What if I'm late? Got a big day. Gotta get home before the sun comes up. And it doesn't get annoying. You know, I kept waiting for like, by the third episode, I'm like, at some point, these all these recurrences are going to become tiresome or annoying, or I'm going to be sick of hearing this. And it doesn't do it. And I think they must have been very careful in like all these these new rebirths that she has every time she like comes back from the dead and Mm -hmm. has to like go start the timeline again and do things a little differently. It's, it's always fresh somehow. Yeah. Agreed. You do not get (laughs) bored of the show. I mean, this is one of those shows that I just like, you know, a lot of things I'm watching and I'm kind of like fucking around on my phone during them or whatever. Um, this is definitely a show that I like put down all the distractions and yeah. and just focused on what was happening because it was super compelling. Um, and there's so uh, many details that you like become convinced must mean something. And I'm sure they yeah. do from what I've been reading um, about the, the show's three creators. It's Natasha Leone who stars in it um, as perhaps the titular Russian doll, or maybe that's just a different metaphor, but Mm -hmm. she's in it. And then Leslie Headland and Amy Poehler, um, they, they seem to be very intentional about like all these details and everything is done very purposefully. So things like the way people are dressed or, um, there's like a bunch of literary references. Like she's always trying to give the book, Emily of new moon, to um, her ex's daughter, who she decided not to meet because she's self-destructive and was avoiding relationships. Um, and then the asshole Mike, he's a he's an Updike scholar. And like, of course, that has to mean something because John Updike <laughs> is the worst. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, and then, you know, he's uh, Alan's uh, girlfriend, Beatrice, is, is writing her thesis on <laughs> on Updike. Can course. you imagine? That must be the most boring thing ever. Can you imagine I know. Being a woman in 2018 being like or, or 2019. That's the year. 2019 being like, you know what? I'm going to devote five years to like studying <laughs> you know, it's such John an odd Updike. Choice. <laughs> it's such an odd choice. Um, yeah. I mean, eventually, I think, you know, just when you start to think, is this going to be the entire show? <laughs> um, yeah. Or just dying over and over again. You know, the first great twist of the show comes with uh, her meeting Alan, um, who, uh, another character who is also dying over and over and over again. And then we have to kind of figure out how they they mesh together. He's dying over and over again on the night that he was going to propose to his girlfriend, the aforementioned uh uh, John Updike, um, PhD candidate, and uh, uh, her breaking up with him, and, and then he has to, and then he has to live this night over and over again. And um, I totally agree with you about the details. I think one thing that is interesting to go back and kind of observe is we learn throughout the show that like the, the, our characters are trying to figure out exactly how time is progressing around them. Um, when they keep dying and and one giveaway is that the uh the 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 plants and the the fruit and you know anything that's like um you know can can rot anything that's like not shelf stable is kind of rotting around them as time so i was confused what do you think that meant when she i was also trying to figure that out it's not really ever fully well, because there's the one episode, I think it's like the sixth episode, maybe, where she cuts open the rotting orange in Alan's apartment, and inside the orange is perfectly fine. And she says something about how, like, you know, uh, time is, this timeline is continuing. Or... Right. And I think, like, it's, to me, I kind of was like, okay, well, it's, I was a little bit assuming that it was implying that, like, time is continuing hence the orange looks like it's getting more and more rotted but like they are always in like the present moment 
um, somehow, which is why the inside of the orange is, is yeah, fresh. Yeah, maybe. Um, it it's not, you know, the way that time works in this show is is never really fully explained, um, which I think is fine because, you know, you don't want to get too into the weeds, but also the show is uh, apparently set up to have three seasons. So I hope that we get I think a they'll reveal more, more. Yeah. yeah, into how this this universe is is working. Um I, I guess in in the next season. But um, you know, I think yeah, I just totally agree. Everything about the show, the pacing is fantastic. It, none of the episodes are too long, you know, a frequent problem with Netflix shows. Um they kind of just go on longer than they need to. Um yeah. you know no, this the one, like, character the right actors point. are all fantastic. You know, I think every Greta Lee is her best friend. Greta um, Lee is so funny. Is so funny. Who I uh, have mostly know from High Maintenance, actually. Um, yeah. And uh, and girls, but she's really funny, and I hope that she kind of keeps getting more. I, also, she did, she and Natasha Leone and uh, and the one who's playing their their good friend Lizzie just together. The, I, this that was like a dynamic that I was like, "Oh, I could have so much more of this dynamic, but also they're not pushing it too hard by just giving us a few great lines from yeah. these three friends each episode and then kind of like moving on." Yeah. Um, yeah. but I so I you know there's a lot of different ways I think the show can be interpreted. I I put on Twitter, um I retweeted a really great thread. I think if you're interested if you've watched the show and you're interested, which is super oh, interesting. Yeah. Um so I did recognize the the area they were in as as the lower east side kind of is pretty clearly if you've been kind of to Tompkins Square Park, it's pretty clearly Tompkins Square Park kind of from the whole show takes place in like the couple of blocks surrounding Tompkins Square Park on in the East Village. Um, and which I definitely did not know anything. I would not have been able to name that park. I had never heard of it. So. Yeah. So I think, I mean, this thread kind of gives a lot of interesting context. Yeah. If you don't know, like much I'll about... know, I'll know about Tompkins Square Park when the majority of New Yorkers can tell whether Cincinnati or Cleveland is on the Lake Erie. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but now I do know about Tompkins Tompkins yeah. Park. And I mean, it's, it's a really interesting, you know, a uh, park with a lot of history. It was, you know, really just a, a place for, you know, junkies and a lot of like counterculture, of 60s 70s new york and so this thread yeah, is like about yeah yeah the show being basically an allegory for the end of east village bohemia which i think is really interesting um it's you know also you have these downtown new york kind of icons in uh natasha leone herself and uh chloe savigny playing her mom um and her playing her mom in flashbacks <laughs> um as they're probably about the same age um but I yeah mean, i was it was so funny i didn't know i'd watched the first like five episodes or whatever it is so i didn't know that chloe savigny would be in it and that day i was complaining to someone about how bad of an actress i think chloe savigny is <laughs> and then like i went home watched like <laughs> the next Russian doll episode and it was her and I was just like, get out of here, Chloe. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I always think of, I mean, I think to me like kids is like one of these iconic, like downtown New York movies that she stars in. And I, I honestly saw her casting itself as a little bit of an Easter egg. Um, but you know, so I mean, just the, the show, um, kind of progressing through it, this motif of, of death and and just different events kind of lining up even even uh timeline wise um with different events in the history of uh the east village in new york like really interesting and and so apparently i actually saw that natasha leon herself responded to that thread and she was like oh my god this is so bizarre you're like inside our heads so i i definitely think that this was an intended interpretation um of of the show which is which is pretty fascinating um but i mean even if even if obviously even if you have no knowledge of that whatsoever um you know i think there are a lot of different conclusions you can come to about what the show means but um what did you what did you think of of uh of the ending 
I loved the ending and it leaves so much open, which is great, but it still felt really satisfying. Like Mm -hmm. I felt like it was the end. I didn't feel like it was cheap. I didn't feel like it was saccharine or a bummer. It just felt like exactly what you wanted from it. Um, And I'm still, so do you think, um, so at the very end, they, which I loved the last episode, it's called Ariadne. Um, and I could be saying that wrong. And I looked that up and it's the Greek um, something or other woman who was put in charge of guarding the labyrinth where the Minotaur mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. And she like guided her uh, true love out of, I think. I, I mean, gosh, Edith Hamilton's mythology was like ninth grade, which was a while ago. But um, Yeah, she gives him like a ball of twine. I, I ha- happen to have a husband who's like very into Greek mythology also, so I actually asked well, him, cool I, him. I didn't, I noticed at the end of, when we were, the show ended and we're like sitting there and the, the screen is up and I know I didn't know the title. I was like, what is Ariadne? And he was like, actually, I know this myth. And so, yeah, he, she like leaves a ball of twine for him. He had to find, to, you know, for him to help Right, him and so that's kind of, of like, parallel it's like how they so they in the eighth episode the final episode they they think they have it figured out they've like dealt with their stuff you know she like basically exercised the younger girl in her that was feeling guilt over her mother's death that she couldn't let go the you know i guess that might be the russian doll sort of nesting thing um Mm -hmm. and he kind of becomes Alan becomes aware of the reasons that Beatrice wasn't happy in their relationship and like how he can move on. So he becomes a little bit more like self-actualized. Anyway, mm-hmm. they, they re they're, they're reborn or whatever you want to call it. They come back um, in their different bathrooms and they're going about and they're having a great time and they go and they meet at the bodega and it's an amazing reveal where they do like a split screen where you realize that they're in two separate timelines and they're like, back in the original the the other person is in the original one from the first death and they have to somehow connect with the person that doesn't remember them and lead them away from their death sort of like a guardian angel and that reveal is so cool right like in in the deli where they kind of like this the screen split and it's so sad you're kind of like oh gosh but then it's to the very end they save each other in the two different timelines and then the timelines sort of converge at the tunnel in the park where there's this weird like you know pagan kind of creepy parade happening with like animal heads like paper mache animal heads on people and stuff and horses there the homeless man and anyway i'm curious what you think where they because they're the timelines are converging and then Mm -hmm. the 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 Natasha Leone that we've been following, she's been wearing this white blouse that Maxine gave her. She's walking through, and then these two, the two old Natasha Leones mm-hmm. from the other timeline where she's wearing her gray coat pass her on either side of her. And then Alan from the other timeline is standing next to her, so it's like the timelines merge. Mm-hmm. But yeah. do you think that actually happened? Because in my mind, I'm like, no, it's still two separate timelines. Interesting. I thought that they were saying the timelines merge when they come out of the the tunnel on the other side. Like they when we when we like stop having the split screen. Um, I, like, how do you think that works? Like that suddenly they look over. It's like, oh, cool, you again. Like, how, well, how yeah. It, to me, it, well, it didn't seem like they noticed them. Right, the other, the uh, the other them's in the other timelines. I think that it is to me, it was like the timelines are converging, but there's still right. I mean, it's a question. It's like, there are still these other, um, you know, original selves on their own timelines <laughs> walking around out, out in the universe. Um, and do they meet them? Like, I think this is a great part of like what's left open for the next for the next season um, because I, I think I love, I love a, I love an ending where you think you're getting something completely satisfying and then <laughs> right, right at the last second, they throw you a little loop. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just I like, cause I wasn't sure if like they, you know, they're walking then next to each other, but the old, the, the old ones that didn't recognize the other person aren't there anymore. Like Alan's yeah. wearing the scarf. And... Right. And she's wearing the white, shirt yeah Yeah. the like actualized versions of themselves that's what i assumed is the actualized versions of themselves do wind up merging into um uh into one timeline but 
And that's yes, where I'm just like, how did that still work? This, yeah. And not, I, like, I don't I, mean like, how did that work? Like, I know it's a TV show and it's all right, right. right. But like, how does it work in the in the rules set by the TV show? Yeah, they're just like, oh, you're wearing something different now. Right. Like I, <laughs> I love the uh, I love that that uh, that um, thought from them to kind of give each of them this like visual indicator so we can keep the <laughs> timelines uh, separate yeah. without it being too confusing. Though like um, <laughs> uh, her friend throwing the drink in her face so she has to change into a different shirt and, and the that was so funny. Hi, girlfriend, tying the <laughs> little yeah. bandana around Alan's neck. Um, yeah, I. I thought it was really satisfying overall. I and 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 uplifting. You know, it's a pretty in the last couple of episodes, things take a pretty dark, kind yeah. of almost scary turn. Um, I mean, I thought the first episode was kind of scary. I was kind of like, this is going to be dark, and then it like lifted up. And like that scene in the elevator where she looks over to Alan and she's like, "Hey, man, didn't you get the memo? We're about to die." And he's like, "It's okay, I die all the time." It was like I wanted like <laughs> what pump a great, my fist. It was I so know what joyful. a great ending. I was and, like, I was like, this is so exciting! Yay, she found someone. Yeah, and I mean, the last up, and and I mean, it gets pretty creepy. Um, I think, especially when we start. It's interesting. You kind of mentioned sort of trying to figure out who, who or what the Russian doll is, and I, I also think that we're kind of meant to have a lot of potential interpretations of that. But I think part of it is, you know, um, Natasha Leon continuously seeing the the ghost of her young self and and her telling her young self yeah. telling her like she's still inside of you you know so she yeah. kind of contains these multiple versions of herself and like you know contains all of the ghosts that are haunting her um but yeah it gets really creepy and then i i like that it ends on this you know very upbeat but still huh no and i think that a lot of my experience with a lot of these kinds of like very high concept shows and i think we were kind of talking about obviously we we get a lot of the good place vibes from this um and we have yet to see yeah and i mean with the high concept thing i mean i think we have yet to see how obviously the good place is actually going to end and like whether we will get (laughs) an ending that i think it's hard to have a show this high concept it makes me think also about another show about weird death timeline stuff that i watched last year forever the the fred armison um my Rudolph right. show yeah and then also maniac which was on people a lot of people were saying uh-huh. that maniac is also kind of a spiritual just to me those are shows that ha- like worked themselves up and i talked about this with room 104 too but like worked themselves up into just like such a tizzy of like rules and plot lines and like just so much like very high concept like we're really setting you up for a lot here and then have kind of disappointing endings and i i hope that isn't the gonna be the case for the good place but um with with russian doll i felt like the the ending was so much more like coherent and satisfying whereas sometimes these shows just like keep kind of adding on the elements to the point where you're like this is there's no way that this can have an ending that will be like at all, you know, that I will find it all satisfying, but I did not find that to be the case here. Yeah. Like, well, I read something about like, you know, talking about lost, right. It's like, totally the quintessential example of this. You'll never be satisfied because you're, it's building up to something. You think you have all these ideas and you're always going to be disappointed. The whole point was the mystery of it. Right. Um, Exactly. And I think, but this show is like, I mean, it was only one season, of course, and it was only eight episodes and they were short, but, but it did have that. We also need to, um, derailing little. We also really need to talk about the fact that it was all women. Yes, yes. Uh, in all, basically an all women creation cast. I will say, with the notable and disappointing uh, exception of Dave Becky, uh, who is also an executive producer on the show and is Natasha Leone and and Amy Poehler's manager and was Louis C.K.'s manager. Um, mm, that's and, how I know his name. Yes, he's his name is all over. I mean, he used to be a producer of. Uh, he was John Mulaney's manager, who actually dropped him. He used to be a producer on Broad City, um, yeah. and and you know, not only. I mean, I think if if the if the line ended at he was his manager, and he has since dropped Louis C.K. as a client, but 
part of the accusations of these women were that Dave Becky, in fact, was the one threatening them um, into not sharing their stories um, and, you know, yeah. obviously trying to protect. So, you know, and I, I will say I just read a Vulture interview with Natasha Leone where she's asked directly about this. And I think, you know, she struggles with it. Um, I well, yeah, would love say? to see them kick it. You know, basically she was she was basically like, I don't have a good answer for this. Um, he was a crucial part of shepherding this show. Uh, at Netflix and getting it made and I and I understand that you need powerful people to get things like this made I get that um you know I think you know uh, Pamela Adlin dropped him as a manager and he helped her get better things on the air you know so I'm like okay like yes but you know and she says I'm glad that that you're asking me a question like this I'm glad that we're you know holding people accountable for these kinds of things. But did she say like, (laughs) um, you're right. We shouldn't be working with him. No. So it kind of delved into a non answer. So I will say that is disappointing and I would love to see that change. I don't know that it will, but that said, you know, yes, it's like almost an entirely, you know, women, uh, I think it was like seven women writers. Yeah, I think it was just like all women writers. I think right. I think you're right. For I think that women, because I, I know that um, Lynn, uh, you know, uh, what's her name, um, the the co-creator, um, Leslie she, Headland. Yeah, Leslie Headland. Yeah, she wrote I think three or four of the episodes, and she directed about half of them. I, also. That sounds right. Yeah. And I think Natasha Leone co-wrote a couple. Um, you Speaking know, of also, it's amazing I, what did you, can you get see accomplished with a yeah. Yeah. All female Did you see the team. responses to that Twitter thread that you you retweeted about um, Tompkins Square Park and like the? the uh, I saw that Natasha Leone responded. She was like, "Get out of my head!" Yeah, Get out of her head. And then she's and then like Leslie Headland was like, "Did you see this, Natasha? Like, she, th- like so this guy apparently like nailed it about the the rebirth and everything, sort of paralleled paralleling um, the." like rebirth of New York cool in the nineties and like how it got rid of like all this like cool stuff that was, that made it cool before, you know, totally. Yeah. And gentrification of the, you know, East village and stuff like that. Yeah. And actually I read a, another vulture article where someone brings up the, the thread at to, to her and she's like, Oh my God, I got to tell Natasha. Like, (laughs) I definitely think this was the, the, yeah. uh, Like I think that guy hit the nail on the head, which usually doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I'm impressed. I um, would not be able to <laughs> draw these conclusions on my own. This is sometimes I'm really glad for Twitter. You know, yeah. it's rare. It's rare, but it's, it's rare. I'm getting rarer. But um, oh, one more thing. Also, we just have to very briefly mention that Natasha Leone is like perfect in this role. Yeah, she's incredible. She's, like I know I she mean, wrote it for herself, but like it was the role she was meant for. Yeah, and you know she. You know, she was addicted to heroin for a long time. She had to kick that habit. Like, I think that, you know, I think this is like the world that she inhabited for a long time. And it's really cool to see, you know, I think you get that from the show. It just feels very authentic, authentic and like lived in. And, you know, it's like nothing feels it just feels like you're. You know, for 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 a show that has so many supernatural elements, that's kind of funny. But um, absolutely, I I'm so glad that there's finally a, a a new starring vehicle for Natasha Leone. I feel like, you know, like women our age, kind of, you know, of a certain sensibility, perhaps, kind of grew up on <laughs> Natasha Leone. Yeah, like, but I'm, you know, I'm she's a weirdo. And like, yeah. yeah, and like she's always been great, and I she had I love to see her career resurgence a few years ago with. Orange is the New Black, and I'm glad that it's, um, you know, put her in a place with Netflix that she can, like, kind of develop yeah. some projects, and she's so good. She's just perfect for this. And, and oh, God, we didn't even mention her hair. Her hair's so good! Oh, my God. Could it's either so of good. us do curly bangs? I don't know. I could never. No, neither could I. Yeah. It's not, my hair's not thicker, like, quite curly enough for that. Yeah. You, could, you maybe could if you went shorter. I think that this is the this is the key, like this is the logical conclusion of every conversation about this show uh, among women with curly hair is going to be. Could I do bangs? Can I do curly bangs? Yeah, her <laughs> hair is. The answer so for big, all of us though. who don't have personal stylists, 
uh, is probably no. <laughs> yeah, like, I just don't have that much hair to try anything like that. Ugh, man, it looks good, though. She makes it look it looks good. great. Natasha, Yeah, we see you, and we love your hair. At first I was like, that must be a wig. I don't think it is. I don't think it is either. No, I don't think it is either. I, I do think that the... Um, uh the you know obviously the the, the original N- natasha's i think it, I, in the article it said that that was not like a cg thing that was um or sorry the original nadia's in, in the other timelines in the last scene walking by her those were wigs <laughs> yeah um, and well done yeah good well wigs. done good wigs. yeah all right. Um, is there anything else you wanted to say about this show besides watch it watch it yeah you got to be in the zeitgeist yeah. For while everyone's still talking about it for like another four days. It's honestly one of the best things I've watched in a really long time. Truly. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, I, I love falling into, I will say something that's great about the, there's a lot of bad things probably to be said about the Netflix model of millions of TV shows that, you know, but, um, some, you know, in the old days, you'd have like all of this hype about a TV show and it'd be like all of this like lead up to it and everything. And it's kind of fun to just have something like this dropped into your lap. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Just yeah. absolutely absent of any other kind of like, what's this? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So for our look ahead. <laughs> the, the week ahead. The um, week ahead. Are you watching anything? Um, I'm trying to Are catch you just going to give up on things. TV? Yeah, this is the week that I quit TV. <laughs> Went out on a high note. Um, I am trying to catch up on some things this week. I still have not started Schitt's Creek or Broad City. And I've heard that this season of Schitt's Creek is magical. I've heard that too. And I've only seen the first episode, but I can't, I don't have any way to watch it. It still won't let you on the pop TV? No, website? we've taught, this is not, I don't have like a login. I know, but I thought they were showing up a week after. Each no, one. only the first episode. Okay, we're going to have to get on this. This is a problem yeah. we need to and solve. And it's the same with Comedy Central shows. Like Detroiters was canceled and I've heard such good things about it. And I'm like, well, I would have watched Detroiters if you like had a better deal with Hulu or yeah. if, you know, but like I didn't. Your your the the Comedy Central streaming app is terrible, and like and then if you don't have a cable login, I'm like, well, you know. Yeah, it's bad. I kind of thought they would be putting the Broad City episodes on Hulu one by one, but it looks like that is no, and that's what happened last time. Not too. the case. So I am gonna try and I am gonna try and figure that out and and watch both of those, um, as well as catch up on my. Uh, crazy ex-girlfriend uh, which I've gotten a little bit behind on as well so I'm gonna do some catch up on a few shows what what about you um so I'm gonna catch up on Brooklyn Nine-Nine there mm. was a really good episode at the beginning of their little short season in January that I thought was really funny where Captain Holt it doesn't get this promotion and he um the guy he's been up against who gets the commissioner position is uh, a guy named John Kelly, which is really funny. And I'm not sure if it's intentionally meant to be, like, alluding to. I think this name might have been something they just picked, like, as a random name a while ago. Yeah. But but there is a joke in it that kind of, like, may, is maybe a nod toward uh, John Kelly of the White House. I don't know. It's, like hard to tell if they're like referring to the chief of staff but like i'll let you be the judge when i put the clip in (laughs) hello sir sorry again for tying you spread eagle on the bed apology not accepted look i know you're upset but this isn't your last chance to become commissioner john kelly's old he's not going to be in office forever true but he'll just be replaced by another mediocre old white man nothing will ever change all right well what about all your goals for the nine nine you still have so much left to accomplish wrong i've accomplished everything that i set out to do I wanted to reduce crime, and I did. There's no crime in Brooklyn anymore. Seems like a bit of a stretch. What about improving community relations? Done. Everyone loves the police. It's embarrassing. Way off. All right, Em, step aside. I got this. Um, and I also was thinking of watching I Am the Night. The um, just it's like a you know film noir kind of thing about the Black Dahlia murders in L.A. Hmm. Um, and it stars Chris Pine, which is a big. Uh, big incentive for me to watch and it also has good clothes which is another incentive so 
Interesting. Yeah. I have not heard of this. Where is that? It's on like FX, I think, or hmm. TNT. Well, the, the thing, there's a really interesting article um, uh, in The Ringer about how like, and oh, it was directed by Patty Jenkins. Oh, okay. Um, like yeah. That. And, and it's like this article about how like having superstars on like network TV shows is not quite as big of a get anymore like that's just normal everyone's doing it so this like this show was supposed to have been really hyped up and it just kind of dropped you know Mm -hmm. so yeah interesting all right um how about you or you're watching you're just gonna i was gonna catch up um what are you not watching (laughs) not watching i feel like we're very late to this game um but I'm definitely not watching The Masked Singer. This concept is so funny to me. I know. It's so weird. I just Like an entire TV show that you're going to just watch every week that's not going to be revealed to you. Like who's who's singing behind this ridiculous mask. You won't know. This could only be a concept imported from Japan. Like. (laughs) I know. I know. Like that is the only, you know. I, as it turns out, what's funny is that I feel like, you know, people were like, Japanese game shows are like a very uniquely like Japan, like kind of phenomenon, but actually turns out (laughs) there is a big market for this kind of madness, I think, in the US as well. But yeah, I also just found out that they're dressed up as like different animals, I think. And that kind of freaks me out. I don't, also, I don't really get how the mechanics of it work. Like if they're wearing masks and stuff. I don't, mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. It's not like I've watched any clips of it or anything, but I can't. I like, I just, I can't wait to read who the mask singer is. Right. And, like, you know, I want to just know the end. And find out it's just someone we've never heard of, like Halsey. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Unless it's Lady Gaga, I don't care. <laughs> I they can have a masked singer um section of the of the Oscar song. Have have each ooh, I just solved the Oscars. The Oscars are everyone's gonna like the Oscars gonna be a shit show. Um have each of the masked singers sing the or ma- the uh, Oscar nominated songs. A mashup. I guess you can't. I don't remember if the Oscars. I think the Oscars may be on NBC this year. I don't remember what channel they're on. If so, great network synergy um, <laughs> across shows. But I don't remember that. Anyway, I'm not watching that. It's not happening. Yeah, I don't really. Nope. I, I can't imagine anyone in this audience being like shocked by that. But yeah, yeah. Still no. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if you're watching it, tell us who you think the mask singer is. Yeah, <laughs> now I hope it's Halsey. That's funny. <laughs> really funny. <laughs> Maybe Halsey it's Adam was on Levine. SNL last night, and I was like, "Who is this person?" Like, wasn't she like also this... hosting? She was hosting. Clearly, someone canceled. Yeah, <laughs> we were, this was supposed to be something different. Like, she's doing like <laughs> musical guest and the host. Someone canceled. Massive who? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, maybe the mass singer is Adam Levine. He'll break out with all of his tattoos again. Oh my god. His voice would be way too recognizable. Yeah, it's true. I guess it's like also, right, are we saying that these singers are like super generic sounding? They must be, right? Like you would be like, that's definitely Lady Gaga. Or maybe they're good enough singers that like is able to sort of play down their voice. Yeah, they can kind of change a little bit. Yeah. What if it's Beyonce? I would lose so much respect for her. Like that would actually be the biggest Not challenge Beyonce. to the beehive. Like if if Beyonce was the masked singer, I would like really be like, well, you you've lost your army. They will they will no longer like support you or in maybe your they coup would attempts. Be like, maybe they would be more. I don't know. Yeah. Actually, yeah, the beehive is pretty irrational. Maybe yeah, exactly. Like I actually am not sure that that would be a deal breaker. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I think that does it for us. We watched all the TV this week. Gotta find something new for next week. We watched everything on the air this week. Are you, are there, is there like a cars behind you? Not behind you, like near you. Near me. I am. Is there a car behind you (laughs) in your bed? There are cars near me. I am on the first floor of our building. So if there's Oh, I heard a a car. I heard like a honk. Well, it's currently like. No, watch out, Sarah. It's the mad rush for church parking because we live ne- across the street from like a massive church. So it's oh. like, yeah, you know, things get heated, I think, with uh, yeah. when it comes to um, Sunday morning church parking. 
Yeah, park for Jesus. I need someone to, yeah, I was like, (laughs) I'm recording this podcast, walking across the street, get hit, almost get hit by a car. Oh my God, now I'm like so afraid of stairs and cars. I know, someone has to rescue me from the timeline where I'm distracted by recording a podcast while walking across the street. I almost got hit by a car on Friday night walking like leaving the office this woman just like made a left turn i had to actually run and jump out of the way not good i was no. like i it really unnerved me well we were also uh last weekend when i was in town we watched it terrible a tangent but a terrible movie called life itself mostly we wanted to watch it because oh we God, knew how about it. oh yeah we wanted to watch it because we knew how bad it would be and it did yeah. absolutely lived up to the expectations but again another character is just like killed by a, a a new york city bus in the middle of the i'm like do these like people gotta i think if anything this these shows are um you know really good uh should serve as like really good pitches for uh, looking both ways yeah looking both ways also maybe better uh you know like how how we need to have harsher penalties for drivers who move people down because this should not be a problem. Yeah, but yeah. definitely look both ways. If I've learned anything from watching, you know, consuming media in the last couple of weeks, it's like, do not do distracted walking. Also, don't walk halfway into across the street, then turn to talk to the person that you're talking to who's standing on the sidewalk uh, and just stand in the middle of That's, the street. That'll, yeah, that old chestnut that gets you every time. Every time. And you may or may not come back for another. Yeah. So... Um, okay. That's it for us. All right. Bye. Bye. Wild how they don't hit you when you look both ways, huh? Good night.